Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Everywhere Present Podcast. I'm Grant. And I'm Nicole. And disclaimer at the front of this episode, we're going to be talking about a uh, triggering topic, specifically in relation to uh, Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, which is October, and we're recording this in October of 2023. Um, So... If this topic triggers you a little bit, you just be prepared. Maybe listen to this at a different time. Um, but yeah, Nicole, you want to go ahead and read the Kentuckian? Yes. Do not weep, cry out the innocent souls, for we are not suffering. In his mercy, the God of all has taken us to be with him. We are granted paradise because we are without sin. And made bold by our innocence, we sit at the footstool of God and cry out, Save our parents who sing Alleluia. That's Quantikian for from the Akathis to the Theotokos, protector of reposed children. And that was posted by another Instagram user on October 15th, which is specifically Pregnancy and Infant Loss Day, which is kind of what inspired us to share our story and our journey we felt very called recently to do that so this is a very personal episode for us yeah and i think the the background of why we think it's important to share this and why we're making this episode is because this is not something that's traditionally openly talked about in our current society um i would even go so far as to say that it's actively discouraged um, because, you know, you hear the adage, well, don't, you know, you have a positive pregnancy test. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell a soul until you get through that first trimester or only tell people that you're willing to tell that you lost the baby. And so I, I don't think that's, necessarily coming from a bad place for most people, but I think it's one of those awkward conversations. Um, and it's, and it's difficult for everyone from, from the husband and the wife, you know, who are going through it to the, to the family and friends and, and people, you know, when you do talk about it, it's kind of, they don't know what to say or how to feel necessarily, but, this is actually quite common. You know, one in four women experience a miscarriage. So that's 25%. That's a huge number. And so we thought we would, I don't know, do our part, I guess, in, in sharing our story because uh, we've experienced two miscarriages now and we're trying to be more open about it. Because I think talking about it and praying about it uh, does help. And I think it helps other people as well. It helps them not feel so alone that uh, that you've experienced it too. So, Nicole, do you want to kind of, I guess, uh, take us back to our first? So, it starts in January of this year. Um, I had like the start of what I thought was my period some bleeding and cramping and 
some more intense pain than normal. Um, and I kind of push it out of my mind. That was like a Friday. Kind of just kept working through, you know, thinking just regular old girl problems. And then come Monday evening, I was helping the girls eat dinner and Grant was still at work. He was working a little bit later and the pain just got so bad that I was doubled over, could barely call Grant and stand upright. And then since Grant wasn't able to answer his phone, I called my godmother, which in a previous episode, we talked about how life-saving they have been for us. And so she rushed on over. At that point, we got a hold of Grant and he was on his way home. And so he convinced me that we needed to go to the ER, even though I was trying to talk myself out of it. Yeah, you were you were adamant that they you were just going to walk in there and they were going to be like what's wrong with you have you never had a period before like like this is normal you know just go home everything's fine you know that's kind of like the what you thought was going to happen like you kind of thought you were being ridiculous but it definitely seemed like more was going on and um you know the nurse the triage nurse i think recognized that pretty much right away because you as soon as you got evaluated basically you got a room and we're taken back which is you know coming from my background you know in EMS that's you know you don't go back right away unless they're just super slow or if there's something actually wrong with you so well and a little bit of background too I actually had at the time an IUD um, and so I kind of just thought maybe something had gone amiss with that. Uh, I don't think either of us really thought the possibility of a pregnancy. Um, so when they did have me run, you know, the standard, you know, urine test and it came back positive, we both just looked at each other and were shocked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, how could that happen outside of? you know god like that's not supposed to happen that's why you have the iud so that doesn't happen um and i think i held out a little hope in that moment you know it's i think i said you know oh maybe it's a boy this time Mm because we have two girls because you know in my mind you know god can he can do whatever he wants or however he wants but uh you know kind of as that night went on it it became pretty clear that um, it was not going to be a viable pregnancy. So I don't know how much you want to talk about about that aspect of it. but Well, so yeah, we went through all the medical procedures, exams, blood work, multiple doctors kind of taking a peek at the exam results and trying to determine if at that point um, where the pregnancy was located, what was happening internally. Um, so they did determine it was in my fallopian tube. At, and at that time, they thought it hadn't burst. Um, well, there was differing opinions on that, but I won't go into that. It was a not-so-great experience. Um, but basically, you know, looking back on it, God kept me stable. I was able to make it to the next morning. We went home and, you know went through everything we needed to go through that night. And then I was to follow up the next morning with my regular OB that delivered Calliope. 
And this was also like two days before the snowpocalypse of January. So we were up against kind of like a tight window of the weather and people not being sure if they were going to be in the office or not. So they had me get in the next morning and we went in for the exams there and the results showed that things were not as stable as they thought the previous night, that my fallopian tube had ruptured and I was bleeding internally and so I had to go to surgery. Um, I mean, they basically asked me like, when was the last time you ate and what did you eat? Which was scary. Yeah, I mean, they kind of... They just went right for it. It was like there was no gray area or anything. It was like, nope, you need to have surgery and you need to have it soon. So, but, you know, again, blessings from God, right? Because, you know, your regular OB was there and available and doing the surgery and to speak to the importance of community, right? She's she's a parishioner at our, at our church. It's someone we know someone we trust, someone that we have absolute faith in to, you know, take good care of you. Mm -hmm. And I think also, you know, to go back to the godparents, right? So, you know, our godmother was basically here with the kids. The whole time. The whole time. So. And we didn't even have to question, like, we just knew, like, they were fine. They were in good hands. We could totally focus on me and our situation at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, more to speak further to the community part, I think Grant texted or called immediately both our previous parish priest and our current parish priest. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, we, I'm, or we are fortunate to have very good relationships with our spiritual fathers. And so I was able to right away text our priest from Colorado, who, you know, is still uh, very big, probably more so in my life, you know, like I, I still talk to him regularly. And so I was able to text him and let him know what was going on. And he, of course, went right away and prayed and, and did what he needed to do. And then uh, our current parish priest, you know, I... I messaged him and he, he happened to be at the church, you know, he was there and he just said, well, I'm going to go light a candle right now and say prayers. I'm going into the, into the church hall. You know, I'm going to do that right now for you guys. And, you know, being able to have, have that community, have those resources available, you know, cause the, the surgeon is going to do their part. Right. But you need the prayer part of it as well. You know, that God's going to guide them, that God's going to, you know, do what needs to be done to take care of us. And so the prayer aspect's really important. And I think that just kind of hits on, again, why we're talking about it. Because, you know, if you're in this position, you know, you need, you need prayers, right? You need, you need the community to be, to be, uh, um, praying for you and, and helping you in any way they can. Mm-hmm. And we'll touch more on that a little bit later about what kind of helped us throughout these things too. And so the surgery was completed. You know, I went home, had kind of a two week period. I think it was about two weeks 
recovery physically. Um, and again, godmother, life-saving, picked up our oldest every day and like from school and then would help me put the kids to bed because I physically was not, I was unable to lift the youngest. Um, so like putting her in the crib and getting her ready for bed and everything like that. So physically, you know, I healed from all of that and there was some emotional and mental recovery as well. It it didn't seem to have a negative spiritual impact for our first experience with this. Um, I think because it was so traumatic and sudden and we weren't trying so it didn't really feel spiritually negative it was more of a spiritual positive message to us like if this you know life can be created with all things saying no that a life cannot be created you know the IUD being placed the the likelihood of getting pregnant with an IUD is so low um and the fact that just we weren't trying on top of that it's just the clear message to us was God was saying that it was time for us to have another child. Yeah, I think it was, it was kind of, uh, uh, not a wake up call. I don't know. If, I don't know. I don't know how you would describe that, but it definitely signaled to both of us that, um, you know, we're not pr- in control, Yes, but that's a good thing. Right. Right. That God's in control. He, he's, you know, we need to trust him. We need to have, let his will be done, mm-hmm. not ours. And so I guess you want to go with, you basically recovered. Mm-hmm. Right? So you recover. You don't have another IUD placed or anything like that. Um, and then, you know, at that point we said, okay, well, it's up to God now. Mm-hmm. And so we go for, I'm not sure how long, a month, two months. Maybe. Well, we just waited until we had the green light from the doctors. Yeah. I don't remember exactly when that was, but, you know, the doctor said you were fine. Okay. So we continue on and you end up pregnant again. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything seemed pretty much fine. Right, on my end, you know. Well, yeah, positive pregnancy test, symptoms started, you know, things were going well. They did want to bring me in earlier than they normally had in the past just because of the history with the ectopic pregnancy. Um, That's what it's called when the pregnancy is in your fallopian tube instead of in your uterus um, to make sure it was in the right place. So I had to go through some rounds of blood work to make sure that it was growing. My hormones were continuing to increase. Those were all good indicators that it would be large enough for them to view it with an ultrasound. Um, so we came in, I think around five or six weeks and went through that. Things still seemed normal at that point. They weren't able to see what they call a fetal pull or a heartbeat at that point. Cause it was too little still again, quote normal. However, at that point, I did have start having some suspicions because there was other areas on the ultrasound that looked abnormal. To me, they thought maybe it could be twins. There was a lot of back and forth. We weren't really sure, but they said, come back in like two weeks. It'll be big enough. We'll be able to see the heartbeat. 
So it was kind of a two week period of a lot of anxiety and unknown and trying to really hold on to the hope like, okay, everything's okay. It's normal. I know Grant didn't really have any thoughts that something bad could be going on. Um, and I think just being a woman, I kind of was more in tune with the situation in my body and just felt a little off, but didn't want to believe it. Definitely wanted to hold on to the hope of everything. So we came back in and immediately we could sense something was off when she started the ultrasound. I mean, it kind of goes blank right there for me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the the ultrasound tech couldn't do, like, the normal method of ultrasound. So they had to do a different method that you normally do when the baby's much smaller. So that was kind of, like, a key. You know, the baby should have... The baby should have grown and been big enough at that point. But, again, maybe, you know, maybe not. Maybe this is just... It's still too early or whatnot. Um, And then... I think you actually said to the ultrasound tech, there's no baby. Is mm-hmm. there? And the ultrasound tech was like, no. Like it's, I don't remember the term she used, but it ruptured or something. Like it wasn't right. And so go to the exam room, talk to the doctor, you know, go through all that, go through all that stuff um, and talk, you know, talk with them. And they basically confirm everything and so then we're kind of right back where we started with the last one. You know, we have, we've Option. had another loss. Yeah. yeah. Well, at that point, they kind of gave us our options basically of what to do. And it was a pretty cold procedural point, right? which they have to be no fault to them. Just. They had to lay out the facts. Yeah. And the, you know, they had to give you the, this is what you need to do. Basically, mm-hmm. here's your options of what needs to happen, whether it was like surgical, medicinal, or kind of weighted out natural. And we went, you know, we went with the natural route. So I think we both thought and felt that the natural route was the right path for us for multiple reasons, but also because we had also planned prior to um, having the loss, uh, Grant had been going to plan to go to St. Gregory Palamas Monastery and I was planning on driving with him with the girls. Um, And then we have family that live about an hour from there. So he was going to stay there for his men's trip and I was going to go to our families and visit with the girls and share the news. We thought that afternoon we'd be sharing with our oldest and, you know, things would just continue from there. So again, now looking back on it, I really do think it was God's plan all along that this would happen before this trip, because I think we both got exactly what we needed in that time frame because I was able to be with someone that I find very comforting um to me um as my parents do live out of state so and this person is like a mom to me as well um or older sister I guess would be a better example but um so I was able to be with her and her family and we had you know support through that and then our daughters got to hang out with their cousins and have fun and not really feel any of the effects 
Um, and Grant was able to kind of process and be where he needed to be. Yeah, I mean, being at the monastery, lots of, lots of prayer, lots of quiet, lots of, yeah, which is, you know, that's what I needed. So, um, we got back from that trip and really, you know, things kind of progress slowly, mm-hmm. I guess, like even up until fairly recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to go to the ER a couple more times and things took a lot longer physically this time. But I think the biggest difference this time was the spiritual journey through this loss. There was a moment when we got back from that trip that I was so mad. I was mad at everyone. I was mad at Grant. I was mad at just anyone that I would talk to about it. Nobody could say the right thing, which I mean, not a lot of people can in that situation anyways. Um, And I was specifically mad at God. And I mean, I got to the point where I was so emotional. I was like, I cannot go back to church. Like it was just a really pivotal moment for me. And I remember Grant, like the next day he texted me and he was like, we're meeting with Father Gregory at this time that same day I think it was and I have a babysitter for the girls and let's just go have a conversation um which I'm so so grateful that he did that because I don't think I'd be where I am now or we be where we are now as a couple in experiencing that loss had he not done that yeah I think it was um Sometimes you you need that that third person there that listens to you and that can hear what you're both saying and kind of process it to the other one, kind of like a counselor. Mm-hmm. Your spiritual father is kind of, you know, he's kind of like a counselor, mm-hmm. right? And so you were able to say what you needed to say and father kind of translated that and put it into terms I could understand And then I said the things I needed to say and father took that and translated it to you in a way you could understand and not be talking past each other. Mm -hmm. Because for sure, if I had said what what I said to father to you, it would have made you more mad. Mm -hmm. Like for sure. Because I, I basically, I told father, I was like, well, you know, yes, we had this loss. Yes, I'm upset about it. But also, this has been given to me for my salvation. And so whatever I need to do with this, that's all. This is part of how I'm being saved is to go through this. As God has this intention, you know, for me in my life. And this is part of it. This is part of that journey. And so, you know, saying to you that to you in that moment would have been really difficult. Um, and that's part of the reason I set the meeting up with father because I knew I couldn't say you we needed to talk about it Mm -hmm. but there was no way we were going to communicate it effectively Mm -hmm. so again spiritual father that's where they come in to play is they they can help you facilitate those discussions and it really it helped us heal as a couple and it really helped us heal spiritually 
Yeah, like I like how you explain when he how I spoke about my anger what his kind of reaction like how you explain it the metaphor like to a parent like when your child says I'm mm. mad at you like <laughs> yeah. our youngest always says I'm mad yeah. I'm mad yeah I'm mad at you or our oldest I hate you no she doesn't say I, that oh she said that yeah no <laughs> she doesn't know what she's saying but <laughs> she does yeah I've heard her say it or I don't like you okay well, well, the hate seems to be the word you don't agree with there. So we'll go with that. I don't like you. She's definitely said that. <laughs> she usually yeah. says I'm mad at you, but okay. Um, but yeah. So, you know, when, when your child says that as the parent, you know how to take and receive that. Right. Like you, you see the bigger picture and you know that, they, your young kid, he, they don't mean that, you know, like they're not, they're not, they don't hate you. Right. They're just mad. They're processing an emotion and you comfort them and you try and help them and you help them work through that. It's not, it's not a personal attack and it's the same way with us and God We're his children you can be mad at him. You can be angry with him. You can be upset with him. And he can take that. You can go to him and say, Lord, I'm really mad right now. I'm really upset right now. I'm really hurt right now. And he can take that. He's big enough. He's God. He can take it. And, you know, he'll help us through it. You know, not, and it's not, we're making a distinction here, right? It's not, you're not going out to someone else and saying, I hate God because mm-hmm. look at what he did to me. Mm-hmm. No. Right. We're not doing that. This is all like personal dialogue mm-hmm. between you and God or between, you know, like that's something you and I can talk about. Our spiritual father can talk about, mm-hmm. but we're not going out, you know, we're not going out on this podcast and being saying, you know, look how evil God is. Look what he did to no, us. No, not at all. Right. That's a different thing. No, this is just a recollection of the conversation Grant and I had with Father, and that's exactly how Father worded it to me. He just validated my emotion, and that, like Grant said, I was able to have that dialogue with him, and that I should, to be able to express what I needed to express, so that I could get to the other part, so that I could get to where Grant was. I was in the trenches of it physically, you know, losing the pregnancy, the hormones changing, everything like that. There was just still a lot of physical changes that were taking time. And so the emotional, mental, psychological, spiritual was all wrapped up in all of that as well. So once that processing could start with that conversation, things were much more healing instead of just being stuck in that anger, which you know, everybody has to feel the grief process, however they need to feel it. There's multiple stages. You can be in multiple stages for multiple lengths of time. Everybody's so unique in that journey. But for me, I needed to get unstuck, um, so that I could continue. Uh, so that conversation was pivotal in that. And then after that, it was, what can I do to, you know, say prayers, 
um, for my children, for our children that we had lost. And then that's when over the next couple of weeks, we kind of did some research and Grant found the icon that we did mention in our prayer corner episode, the protectress of the unborn. Yeah, that's what I call them. It's yeah. uh it's an icon from uh I'm blanking on the name of that company now. But Uncut? Yeah, Uncut Mountain. And uh it's a we'll post a picture of it, but it's basically Panahia. But she's holding an infant and the infant has like a globe around them symbolizing that they they, they didn't make it out of the womb type of thing. Um, and that she, she's got them now. She's protecting them, right? That at least for, you know, us, it kind of means that, you know, it's okay. I've got them. I've got them taken care of. You don't have to worry about them, right? Uh, they're with us now. And I think to go along with that, I sent you a podcast link. Mm-hmm. For a very good podcast, Lord of Spirits, great. It's on Ancient Faith, great podcast. We won't go into it here, and uh, but I sent you th- this one segment. It's mm-hmm. at the end of an episode. I think it's on at the end of their Unction episode. But uh, uh, Father Andrew on that podcast talks about how him and his wife had had a miscarriage, and he was at I think a clergy retreat or something like that, and he happens to be talking to one of the bishops in the Antiochian diocese and the bishop says, well, I don't know if this will help. And this is certainly not, this is not any kind of dogma for the church. You know, this is not, this is not in the canons, but you know, some of the fathers talk about how when you lose a child, either before they're born or when they're very young, right? That God took them because they had everything they needed for their salvation already. There was nothing they needed to do in this life in order to gain salvation, right? They were born with what they needed. And so he takes them. He takes them to to be with him. Um, because there, there's nothing necessarily that they they need to do in this life, right? Like the rest of us here, you know, we have some some reason that we're here, something that we're trying to work out in order to obtain our salvation. So, I you want to talk about how you feel felt about that? I feel like it was impactful. Yeah, but, it was, and it kind of also is how I. F- how it the uh what i read earlier the agathis how it's that what it says in there they're granted paradise so it's just such a comforting thing to hear and understand um i guess not really understand because obviously we can't comprehend it all um since we're humans but just to hear and to feel as a mother especially um and so having that physical representation for us, the icon is so helpful for us in our prayer life with, um, 
for the children that we were not able to meet and have here on earth with us. Um, so that just kind of leads us into also what we were talking about as mentioning the things that did help us. So clearly the number one would be if you have a spiritual father, a parish priest that you're able to speak with, that you and your significant other, your spouse, you know, are able to meet with, highly recommend that throughout this process or when you feel ready, continuing your prayers as directed by your parish priest, um, as our priest did help us with that. And then some other things that people did, family and friends were that they sent us food, groceries, easy to make meals because I was experiencing these losses and going through the physical recovery while also grieving and still trying to take care of two kids at home. And that was very challenging at times. Um, so having that, not having to think about what was for dinner <laughs> or the mental task of ordering groceries or going to get groceries was super helpful to not have on my plate as well. And then we had some really good friends in the community that knew. Um, We shared our journey early with them and they were extremely supportive. Just physically being here, helping take care of the girls, um, just letting them feel normal routines, you know, reading with them, playing with them, things I wasn't feeling quite up to. And then just being here for me when Grant still had to be at work um, so that I could cry if I needed to, talk about it if I needed to, whatever I needed to do. Um, And again, our godparents throughout this knew um, with both. So they were very supportive throughout both as well. Um, And everybody that has talked to us since or heard about it has been very supportive of us and, you know, has offered prayers for our continued journey as we continue, you know, on this path. Yeah. And I think too, you know, some other things that we do, um, whenever we go to the church, we always like candles for them. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause you like candles, not just for yourself when mm-hmm. you go to the church. Right. But mm-hmm. also for people you're praying for or for those that have reposed. Um, so lighting candles mm-hmm. for them when you go. Um, and then there's the, the prayers that you can say, and I'm sure we'll link to some of this, some of these resources that we have. Um, the icon, like mm-hmm. you said, has been big for us. Um, and then also, I think getting a little uncomfortable and talking about it mm-hmm. with people is huge. Like we've we've talked a lot in this episode about how how important the community was for us. Right. And so I think now to kind of look going forward, right. If, you know, if you get pregnant again, like we're probably going to tell most people, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Like fairly early mm-hmm. because that's when we need, 
that's when you need the prayers, right? Not that you don't need them after the first trimester or whatnot, but Mm -hmm. you know, you need them certainly before that, Mm -hmm. right? That everything's going to, um, like one of the prayers, you know, says that the baby is well formed, I think in one of the, you sent me that, that one, there's a prayer, we'll post it, but a prayer for when someone's with child. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, you're praying that the, that the mother stays healthy, that the baby stays healthy and is well formed and, you know, and, uh, that they both stay devoted to Christ and those sorts of things. And that's all, that's all very important. Mm -hmm. And even maybe if you're not ready to tell everyone in your life, you know, tell the people closest to you, your godparents, definitely tell your priest, right? Your priest is, uh, praying constantly, usually for the community. He's making commemorations when he's, um, uh, when he's preparing the, the gifts for the liturgy, right? He's making commemorations for you and your husband. And so those, all those things are important. Um, but I think we've, I think we've kind of summed this up. I mean, is there anything else you want to talk about in regards to this? No, I just hope that, you know, everyone understands that this is our specific personal story. Um, not all of this will apply to everyone in the, you know, not every scenario is the same, not every couple pregnancy baby situation so it's all different um so you know use and listen to what you find helpful and we hope that it speaks to your heart and that if you know you've experienced this we are with you and praying for you um and for those of you that maybe haven't experienced this, it's okay to still share in that feeling, um, the grief for those around you. Um, or also if you know someone that's going through it, it's okay if you don't know what to say. Um, it's okay to just be with that person, to offer, to bring a meal, sit with their kids if they have them, or sit with them, or whatever it is. Um, and just to say that you're sorry, that's all you really can say. Uh, so yeah. Thank you for listening to our story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hopefully this was edifying for, for those of you out there and hopefully it, uh, uh, helps some of you who, who have maybe gone through this as well. All that being said. If you would like to contact us, reach out with any, to share your story, to share resources that you have, you can do that via our Instagram page at Everywhere Present. Uh, You can send us a DM there or uh, tag us in your stories or or whatnot. And then we will also have up uh, the link in our bio. We will put some resources and uh, we'll probably also have a post with some, some of this information in it. Uh, that you guys can take a look at. Um, But yeah, hopefully this benefited some of you. And we look forward to our next episode, which I'm not sure what it's going to be, but rest assured, it'll be good, God willing. 
and we would ask Christ to put his blessing upon each and every one of you.